Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The church is a distinct group, and it's within this new society, this new ethnic group that emerges out of faith in Christ, that there is to be Christ as the master and love between all of us as brothers and sisters. This would be the death knell to slavery. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, in a message titled, The Bible, Christianity, and Slavery. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, here's the question. Was American slavery comparable to what we find in Scripture, and was it biblically justifiable? And the answer on both counts is no. It was not comparable to what we find in Scripture, as we'll see in just a second, and it was not biblically justifiable, even though people sought to use the Bible to justify it. And we'll address that in a moment. But let's look at certain aspects of the American slave trade. The transatlantic slave trade was based on man stealing or kidnapping is the way we would refer today to man stealing, which according to the Mosaic law was a crime punishable by death. In Exodus 21, 16, it says this, he who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. Paul lists kidnapping as a crime the law was given to punish in his first letter to Timothy in the 10th verse of the first chapter. So the transatlantic slave trade was based on something God considered criminal, which was kidnapping. Secondly, slavery in America was based on race and not only on race, but on a denial that certain people were created in the image of God. Brian Stevenson, the author of Just Mercy, he stated this. He said, the great American evil of slavery wasn't the involuntary servitude. It was the fiction that black people aren't as good as white people and aren't the equals of white people and are less evolved, less human, less capable, less worthy, less deserving than white people. And that absolutely was the case with American slavery. It was that there was a sense that there was an inferiority that the Africans were in some way inferior to white people and were to some degree subhuman. This is a fact. And so nothing in the scripture, as I said, ever points to the slavery issue as having anything to do with race or anything like that. And then thirdly, American slavery is often referred to as chattel slavery. And chattel slavery, although there was an aspect of chattel slavery in the Greco-Roman system, the American version of chattel slavery 
took it to a new level. Chattel means property. And in the American system, the slave had no rights whatsoever. Zero rights for the slave. They were 100% at the disposal of their masters. So as we've already seen, this was a contradiction of the law of Moses. Slaves, according to the law of Moses, did have rights. They weren't at the absolute disposal of their masters. Their masters had uh, certain things that they had to abide by. So it's a contradiction of the Mosaic law, but even more, it really is a contradiction of the spirit of the gospel. Yet, some ministers of the gospel then and even now insist that antebellum slavery was consistent with scripture. And there's plenty of historical evidence for this. There are even some, you know, well-known names in evangelical history, unfortunately, who embraced these ideas that there was a scriptural justification for slavery as it was known in America. But it's not that they just did it then. This is still, believe it or not, happening today. Just this past week, I read an article where a Christian theologian is insisting on the grounds of biblical infallibility and the revelatory ministry of the apostles that slavery was consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God help us. I mean, that the fact that there are still people that are trying to insist that this is somehow consistent with the gospel, it, it's just hard to believe in this day and age that, that that is still happening, but it is still happening. I wanna quote to you from Frederick Douglass. Some of you will know the name Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was the African-American statesman. He himself was a former slave And this is what he said about the Christianity of the slave holders of his day. And as we listen to what he said, I want you to remember that Frederick Douglass is a Christian himself. So he's speaking as a Christian and listen to what he said. He said, I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ. I therefore hate the corrupt slaveholding women whipping, cradle plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Indeed, I can see no reason but the most deceitful one for calling the religion of this land Christianity. I look upon it as the climax of all misnomers, the boldest of all frauds and the grossest of all libels. Wow. That is pretty profound. And that was the perspective of a man who was a slave, who escaped and was ultimately purchased out of slavery, a man who went on to be a great voice for abolition, a man who President Lincoln consulted with during the time of the Civil War, but a man who pulled no punches when describing the reality of his experience and the experience of the slaves at the time. So American slavery 
far from being consistent with the Bible's teaching on the subject, was actually the great national sin of this country, the sin against Christ and humanity, black African humanity to be exact. So there we have Old Testament slavery, New Testament slavery, and American slavery. So I said earlier that the teaching of Jesus and the apostles actually undermined the idea of slavery. Somebody put it like this, that the teaching of the New Testament was like a depth charge. And you remember maybe from the movies about the, the Second World War and the submarine warfare and you know how the, how the battleships would drop the depth charges uh, trying to destroy these U-boats that were, that were sinking so many ships. And the depth charge would go way, way down into the deep and explode there. And then all of the effects of it would be seen, there was like the aftershocks of it. And that is what has been said about what the gospel has done. So to just summarize it, the teaching of Moses regulated slavery in Israel and humanized it. The teaching of Jesus and the apostles undermined slavery and set in motion its demise. How did the teaching of Jesus and the apostles do that? Well, Dr. Peter J. Williams of Cambridge University gave a tremendous lecture on this topic. And I just want to take the points that he laid out and reiterate them. So he says, first of all, that the first thing was the teaching about loving others as Christ loved us. So when the gospel went forth and the message of the gospel that we are to love one another, that was in and of itself a sufficient message to blow up the foundation of slavery. And here's an interesting and a very tragic bit of information about what was happening during the time of slavery in this country. Believe it or not, certain Christians understood the ramifications of the gospel in regard to slavery. They understood that if a slave became a Christian, they would be obligated to release that person because as a Christian, you could not hold your brother or sister in a state like that and require that kind of thing from them. They, they understood that. And some, even with that knowledge, they discouraged evangelism among the Africans because if these people come to faith, then we're gonna lose them as slaves. So they insisted that they, they shouldn't hear the gospel because they didn't wanna be put out of their workers in case they came to Christ. So they, they understood the ramifications of, of love one another as Christ loved us, that it in and of itself would bring the end of the slave situation. So that's the first point. The second point that he makes is that of brotherhood. You see, in the ancient world, like in certain parts of our world, society was so stratified. It was so divided and, and segregated that your brother was literally only your kin. 
those are the only people that you would consider in that sort of a way. But when the gospel comes along and brings us all into the family of God under our heavenly father, and we all become brothers and sisters, this creates an environment once again, where how do you oppress your brother or your sister? That, that's just not done. So think of it as a, a congregational gathering in the first century. And there you have people who are slaves. You have people who are masters. But the overall message is that we are all brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters are seen as equal before the, the parent, right? So it was the teaching about this familial thing that God was doing in bringing together a new family, this was also an undermining factor. And then he brought out something that I never thought of before. And it's, it's pretty fascinating. He brought out just the idea that we have in scripture of greeting one another with a holy kiss. Now, I think oftentimes in our day, we look at that and that's not our custom. So, you know, sometimes we might joke a little about it or something like that. But but Dr. Williams, he, he said this was very intentional. And again, this was a breaking down of the natural divisions that had developed in a society. Because the last thing you would do was cross a social barrier to give someone a kiss. This was unheard of. This is like, like the, in the military, this would be like the, the upper ranks fraternizing with the, the, with the privates and the corporals. It, that doesn't happen. They're, they're kept separate. But the holy kiss would actually cross again those barriers and it would be through the holy kiss that the message of equality would be being spread. And of course, Paul's teaching and the teaching here in Colossians that we looked at, bondservants, obey your masters in all things. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. Um, the apostles taught a, an equality among masters and servants. They understood clearly that they had an equal standing before God. And this again would prevent them from ultimately holding on to their slaves. And then over the whole thing, Jesus was Lord. Jesus was Lord over the people of God. Now, Jesus is Lord. The word Lord is the Greek word kurios. And that word also easily could be translated master. So when the congregations would gather, they knew that they were gathering to worship and to serve the master. So, so if you're a master, you know clearly that I have a master. And my master is also the master of the slave next to me. So the whole dynamic is being changed. And Peter Williams goes on and he concludes with this. He says, the apostles and the early Christians can't abolish slavery they are not in a political position to do that. But what they can do is start a new society, a new ethnic group. They started a new society where everyone is free from sin and slaves 
of the best master there could possibly be, Jesus Christ. You see, we forget this, but the church is a distinct people group as far as God is concerned. There's Jews, according to the scripture, there's Jews, that's a, that's a people group. There's Gentiles, that's the larger nations. And then there's the church. The church is a, is a distinct group and it's within this new society, this new ethne, as the Greek would have it, this new ethnic group that emerges out of faith in Christ that there is to be Christ as the master and love between all of us as brothers and sisters. This would be the death knell to slavery. And and let me just remind our skeptical friends that it wasn't the atheist or the agnostics who abolished slavery. It was the Christians. The Christians were the ones who led the charge. The Christians were the ones who persevered through all of the difficulties and challenges and harassments and all of these things. Read the story of William Wilberforce. He spent much of his adult life, if not all of his adult life, battling in parliament to end the slave trade. And he succeeded and died shortly after he finished that fight. And so that was true in Britain, And that was true in the United States as well. You think of a woman like Harriet Beecher Stowe who wrote the the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And of course, this book would be the book that would shed light on just simply on the humanity of the Africans and garner the sympathy of many people than would actually lead to the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln acknowledged this small woman as the small woman who started this big war. And so it was through Christians that slavery was abolished. So here is my final point, and I want to make it in the form of a question. Is the gospel good? Because that's what we're talking about, and that's what's being challenged. And that's what we're hearing in the culture by so many today. And Sam Harris is just one voice. We could have found many others echoing the same thing. Is the gospel good? Well, here's what I think is the greatest testimony to the goodness of the gospel, to the reality of the gospel, to the goodness of Christ, despite all that we've talked about and all of the the negativity and the misrepresentation that has come down through the ages from Christians, sometimes from church leaders, I think the greatest testimony to the gospel being good is the African-American testimony. The African-American testimony bears witness because here's the irony in it all. The irony in it all, like we saw with uh, Frederick Douglass, they rejected the hypocritical Christianity of the slaveholders, but they saw beyond it and they could see that Jesus Christ was not anything like was being represented by the slaveholders. They they could see through it. And Jesus became the hope of these people. The African church was birthed out of, the black church that exists today was birthed out of faith in Christ despite the ill and brutal treatment of people 
even in the name of Christ. That is the most amazing thing about it. Frederick Douglass said this, I'll quote him again. He said, in Jesus Christ, I finally found my burden lightened and my heart relieved. I loved all mankind, slaveholders not accepted, though I abhorred slavery more than ever, I saw the world in a new light and my great concern was to have everybody converted. So despite what he saw, he met Christ and he knew that Christ was true and he knew that Christ was the savior and he embraced him as the savior. Josiah Henson, Josiah Henson is the man that Harriet Beecher Stowe had in her mind when she was writing the story, Uncle Tom's Cabin, he was the slave that she had in mind. And here's what he said about Jesus. He said, oh, the blessed and sweetness of feeling that I was loved. I would have died that moment with joy and kept repeating to myself the compassionate savior about whom I have heard loves me. So that's the reality. And the testimony of the black church, the testimony of the multitudes of slaves who found refuge in Jesus despite the abuse of their so-called Christian masters, this is a powerful evidence to me that the gospel is everything it claims to be, that it is good, that the Bible's teaching is good. You see, Frederick Douglass read the Bible. He saw the Jesus of the Bible, and he understood that what he was seeing was not a representative of the Jesus of the Bible. And so today, when we hear things like what Sam Harris and others are saying, let's make sure that we don't just take what they've said and conclude that that's the final word on it, go straight to the text itself. And, and as we've done today, I know it's been a, a bit of a lecture more than a, a, a sermon, uh, but you know we've walked through and answered the objections. We've shown that Old Testament slavery was different than uh, what we commonly think about as slavery. We've seen that it, it wasn't the ideal situation. It was never intended to be. It was intended to regulate for a period of time. And we see that the New Testament, the teaching on the relationship between slaves and masters was necessary because of the cultural context. It couldn't be otherwise at the time. But as we've seen, the very gospel itself and the love of Christ and the fellowship that he brings to us as brothers and sisters, that was the, the dynamite that would strike at the foundation of slavery and ultimately destroy it. And so as we close today, I just wanna encourage you in, in a world that is opposing the gospel, in a world that's blaspheming Jesus Christ, in a world that's saying God is not good and the Bible's not good and Christianity's not good and the gospel is not good, know this. The Africans, they think that he is good. The African-Americans, the black church, they disprove the rhetoric of these skeptics.
For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. The culture is obsessed with the physical body, whether it's the sexualization of a particular body type, gender dysphoria, what we do with our own body, or even body art, such as tattoos or piercings, our culture links the body with identity, which is how exactly is our body related to our personal identity. When it comes to identity, some may discount the physical body altogether or place too much emphasis upon it. But the body is neither everything, nor is it nothing. The body is an important part of who we are, because we are more than just a soul. If you want to know more about the link between the body, personal identity, and what the Bible says, or if you know someone struggling with identity or body image, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.